So in a sermon I was preaching at my church, which is called New Hope Community Church. It's a, a community-based plant in the parish of Greyfriars. Um, I was talking about Lazarus and um, the reason why uh, all the members of the community, both from Bethany, the village where he's from, and people from Jerusalem, were still at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus four days after Lazarus had died. It wasn't just that they were putting on a really good feast. It's that the tradition in in Jewish culture um, is that for seven days after somebody has died, members of the community um, come together, and they all sit, shiver, Now, you can imagine, therefore, which word it was. I was trying really hard not to get those sit, shiver um, words muddled up in my sermon in my church. And I was concentrating so hard on not saying it that that was the word that popped out in the middle of my sermon. And my whole congregation fell about laughing. And because they are lovely, um, it wasn't a problem and it was just edited out of the recording. (laughs) Um, But I think probably that will be one of the things that they remember me for as the the vicar who said in the middle of a sermon. Um, But yes, I am very human uh, and that was one funny story. I also thought of a couple of other things that would be interesting facts for you guys to know. One is that I trained uh, at the same time as PADS at St John's College in Nottingham. So I had the the pleasure, the deep pleasure of um, uh, sitting with him at breakfast tables and lunch tables and and sitting through lectures and other things. Um, And when I was looking for a job and I saw the job at Greyfriars um, running the New Hope Community Church advertised, I quickly sent him an email. And to be honest, I think he'd forgotten who I was uh, and he was kind of like yes it's a great church and um and uh, but then we we kind of reconnected and that's been really nice and um, while I've been here and then the other thing which is nice is that on my first Sunday in my job when I um arrived in Reading and I went to Greyfriars in the evening I sat next to Jo um in, in Greyfriars and you'll be relieved to know that she was very friendly to this new random person who was sitting in in the row you probably don't even remember either do you <laughs> It was, it, was, it was very nice and you were very welcoming. I remember it because it was significant for me that people were welcoming. And, um, and, and just really to say that, you know, I, I really love the fact that across Reading there's such a lot of um, genuine love and fellowship. You know, that sense actually that we are one family. We are all under God, his children. We're brothers and sisters together. And so it's really lovely to be able to be here this morning uh, and share with you and hopefully not say any rude expletives. Um, but is that it now? Do I just crack on? I'd love you to pray for me, Joe. Please do. Hello. 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 Yay! Hello. <laughs> Heavenly Daddy, we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful woman. This real and funny and just totally tuned into you woman. And we ask Daddy that you will speak through her, that she would be like a bamboo shoot and that your spirit will just flow through her and that what you want to say will come out and that you will bless her magnificently through it and us. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you too. Um, so I wanted to share with you this morning a little bit about Advent. Advent is one of the most neglected seasons in, in the Christian ca- calendar. And um, it's one of those things we don't really get. Because we think, don't we, that Advent is about counting down to Christmas. Isn't that what, what, like this morning, my two boys, I have two adopted boys, they're gorgeous, but the first thing that they were like, mommy, can't we open our advent calendars? And they're super excited, and of course you enjoy that, you kind of embrace that, and you, you want to do stuff um, that kind of feeds that enthusiasm. But actually, advent is not about eating chocolate first thing in the morning. Did, did you know that? 
Because sometimes it's easy, isn't it, to get fooled by all of the kind of uh, advertising and everything else. Advent, the word itself means the coming. Is that exciting? Yes. Woohoo! What's coming? Jesus. Jesus. It is about Jesus coming. And so there are four weeks of Advent in the church calendar. There are four weeks for us to prepare ourselves. And I just wanted to read a little bit from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah chapter 40 is where we get the passage later on that comes to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for people to engage with Jesus more meaningfully. And so this is what it says prophetically about John the Baptist um, in Isaiah's time. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, saying, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the deserts a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain hill be made low, and the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places made a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God's agenda for the whole world is Jesus. And that one pivotal moment in history, which we celebrate at Christmas, was not something that just happened by chance then. God had been preparing for it for thousands of years. And so for us, as we take four weeks before Christmas itself to prepare ourselves to do what God sent John the Baptist to do for the few years before Jesus um, began his ministry, was to make straight a path to our hearts. And so Advent, again, is a season of preparation when we make straight the path to our hearts for Jesus, so that when we get to Christmas, we have a true and meaningful encounter again with all that it means that Jesus would come. So, Advent is all about preparing. How do you feel about preparing? Are you an excited, Monica-esque, manic preparer? Do you have all of your Christmas presents bought, wrapped and under the tree already? Anybody? No? Oh, yeah, we've got one. We've got one. Excellent. Or or perhaps more like most people, we're those last minutes seat of our pantsers um, who kind of are still buying things on Christmas Eve. My brother does all of his shopping on Christmas Eve, and it's entertaining because you get the most random presents. (laughs) Nothing really makes sense. Sometimes it's like an absolute gem, but most of the time it's just hilariously weird. But preparing, being prepared, is really important. 
Advent takes us on a journey. If we follow through um, the lectionary stuff, it takes us on a journey from the patriarchs through the prophets of the Old Testament to Mary and the Annunciation and to John the Baptist. God doesn't cut corners when it comes to preparation. This is important to him. And therefore, it's important for us that we take the time to think about the preparation God is calling us to during Advent. Why? Because he wants to bless us, deepen our relationship with him, and reveal more of his love and his glory to us. So that through that Advent preparation of our hearts, we get to Christmas and we really truly are joyful instead of being, oh my goodness, we made it. Maybe that's just me. Probably all of us. So why is God so interested in, make, in preparation? First of all, I want to say that he's interested in preparation because as we prepare ourselves and we take time to prepare, the time it takes, the waiting on God, makes us dig deeper. If we don't wait, if we're rushing around like lunatics, which is my normal operandus mudo, um, if we're rushing around, we miss it. We miss out on what God is wanting to do and to say. Our human nature and our culture is very impatient, isn't it? We don't like waiting. We don't have to anymore, which is why it makes it even harder for us to be patient. We've got fast food. We've got prompt transport, mostly. <laughs> we've got buy now, pay later schemes. We've got, we want quick results for everything. We want responses by return, emails, everything, text messages. Why haven't they texted me? I texted them more than five minutes ago. We're so fast in our culture today. That we've forgotten what the purpose of waiting is. I don't know about you, but I used to write letters to my friends when I was in school. I wrote letters and I'd write them really long letters. I'd put it in the post and then I'd wait for a a response. And it was really like, oh, you were really excited. And when that letter came, it kind of meant something. And then you take your time to kind of like read over everything. You know, I am older than I look. Um, But there was something really lovely about waiting for a letter, waiting for something. When we have to wait, our thinking, our emotions, everything is directed differently by waiting for that thing. We spend more time thinking about it, preparing for that thing that we're waiting for. We might want to perhaps prepare ourselves for that thing, like especially if it's babies, we, we kind of those nine months are really helpful, aren't they? Or eight months or seven months or (laughs) however long you get. But it enables you in the waiting to be prepared. It means you can put the right things in the right place. Sometimes you go through a range of emotions in the waiting and it's important that each emotion is dealt with in its own time, in its own space. Perhaps waiting makes us appreciate what it is that we're waiting for. Or maybe we appreciate the support that we've received in the waiting more because we've had to wait. But mostly something about taking time and waiting for things 
changes us. I know in my life, some of the waiting that God has allowed me to go through has been painful. But it also, because it's painful, forces us to go more deeply in our relationship with God. And somehow, if we didn't wait for those things, our relationship with him would be more shallow. And so Advent, first and foremost, is an invitation. God saying to each one of us, come deeper with me. Come, dwell with me in your waiting. Let me guide you in how I will prepare you for the things that are still to come. Let me dwell with you in those things which are painful or difficult or frustrating or where we just don't know what to do with them. Let's sit with them together and work it out in partnership. God spent thousands of years unfolding his plans and purposes for the rescue and redemption of the world. Why did he spend so long? Couldn't he have sent Jesus sooner? God impressed on the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he impressed on them the need to keep telling the stories to their children, their grandchildren, and so on. He told them he would send somebody. When Moses was the one rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt, again, that same thing, tell your children, your grandchildren, I have delivered you out of slavery. Through the prophets, these glimpses that God was giving as he whispered to the prophets and allowed them to speak out over Israel. In all of that time, They needed to seek God, to push into him, to understand that God had plans and purposes that they would only understand if they really centered their hearts on him. God invited them to wait on him, to pray, to listen, to hear what God was saying. His promise was that a savior would come and bring hope and healing to the whole world. This would come through the supernatural yet humble birth of a baby who was God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. There were the whispers of this coming, of all that waiting on this would be for those who were listening. The promises of God would change the lives of those who really believed them, even if they didn't see Jesus in their own lifetime. God was calling them in the waiting to look for ways that would allow him to do deeper work in them. So we wait on God in prayer also. Ask him to remind us of the things that he has promised us that we're still waiting for. Allow him to remind us of things that he wants to do in our lives and is still waiting for us to follow through on. 
the more time that we are able to give to waiting on God, the deeper we will go with him. I wonder what things he will whisper to you during this Advent as you give time to really listen. Secondly, I want to talk a little bit about surrender. Preparation in Advent is about surrender. Surrender gives up, means giving up control. And that's not something we like at all, is it? If we look at Mary, Luke chapter 1 has this beautiful encounter between the angel Gabriel and Mary, a small town. Oh, Siri's looking for Luke chapter 1 for me. Oh no, that's because I'm using my wrong finger. Um, But there's this beautiful thing that Mary responds with. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be called, one to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary had plans. She was probably making preparations for getting married to Joseph, the carpenter, who was clearly a good man godly man her parents had probably made this arrangement a while before but in the midst of her plans and preparations God sent an angel to tell her that everything has been turned upside down God interrupted her preparations with his own and not just in a small tweaky kind of way God interrupted her plans and preparations with a major disruption that had potentially serious consequences. Mary's heart response is full of surrender. She holds her plans up to God and says, may it be to me as you have said, I give you back my plans and preparations. I trust you. I will be obedient to you. I will live the way that you have called me 
to live. Mary was ready to let go of all that she had planned and prepared for, if that was what God wanted. What matters in our preparation then? It's a willingness, a heart attitude that says God is in charge. We still need to be proactive in our planning and and thinking and our preparations. But we need to keep an open mind, an open heart and open hands when it comes to the outcome of all that we are planning and preparing. Advent invites us to prepare open-handedly for whatever may come. We hope and plan for the things that we expect but we also need a readiness for those things which will come as surprises for the challenge of disappointment in life Advent reminds us that as we prepare our hearts it is for that same willingness that same heart attitude that Mary had are we willing to surrender to God to lay down our plans if God takes us in a different direction than one we'd expected. Or to pick up something that surprises us, that we had not thought of before. As we allow him to bring that heart attitude into our hearts, he will prepare us for things that go beyond what we can imagine. Sometimes, those things will go against the flow of our own control and choices. Perhaps we will lose a job. Maybe a relationship doesn't work out the way that we'd hoped for. Some of us won't be able to have children naturally. Maybe our loved ones or those in our family will suffer from long-term illness. Life does not always go according to plan, does it? (coughs) Advent reminds us to bring ourselves in a surrendered way to God with all of our plans and preparations and allow him to shape and reshape them again. To pour into our hearts his plans, his preparation. And somehow, in that encounter with him, he renews us He strengthens us. He emboldens us. And he redirects us to other things which will be good and for his good purpose in our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. Being prepared is not about being pessimistic. We still plan. We still prepare for good things. We still look to God to answer our prayers. And we still hope He's called us to be people of hope. And we dream and we hope for things with God in prayer. But we do so, especially during Advent, seeking to have that same heart attitude as Mary. A willingness to be surrendered with all that we hope for. Accepting that God might take us in a different direction. Thirdly, preparation enables us to respond correctly 
to Jesus our King. Don't know, has anybody here ever been part of a royal visit? Have you ever had a, a member of the royal family? What was it like? Oh, Princess Anne. Oh, oh, Diana. Wow. Was it fun? Scary? <laughs> yes. Um, a few years ago, I was a teacher at a school in Kent, and the Duchess of Kent, who is a very kind of low-level member of the royal family, was coming to do a visit at the school. Even though she's not, like, the most important, we still had um, one of her personal secretaries coming to the school. We had a letter giving us written instruction, and then about a week before she came, this personal secretary came and, and went through absolutely everything that I needed to do, because my classroom was right next to the head teacher's office. So I was an easy candidate um, for that. And, and she came in to a year eight class... Now, anybody who teaches secondary school knows year eight is probably the worst class to come into. And of course, when she actually came into the classroom, she went straight to the worst child in the whole class, who, despite all of the instructions and the the kind of, uh, the the personal secretary had come in and, and talked to me quite a lot, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. But you cannot control a year eight oik. They are completely beyond control. And, um, and so she went up to this kid and was kind of, oh, lovely, what are you working on? Because she talks like that. And this, this year eight kid looked up and went, uh, which was not in the protocol. And, and, and all of those things. But it was, it was really fascinating, like the way in which you kind of like, you had to say um, the first time she, she spoke to you. So the first time it was uh, your highness um, and with the curtsy. And thereafter that you were supposed to call her mom um, and not your highness every single time because she didn't really like that. In fact, she dropped it a few years after this um, visit. Um, but, you know, and then you know, whether you could say, shake hands, and all that. And it was so confusing. And I remember kind of like as quite a young teacher at the time just being like, whoa, this is worse than kind of like any of the other. Like I'd take a naughty class over this visit, over uh, anything. Um, but it, it really made me think as I was reflecting on this that, you know, actually John the Baptist coming for those years before Jesus was a bit like the personal secretary turning up to tell you exactly how to behave because the Duchess of Kent is a member of the royal family. The reason that with all those things about curtsying and shaking hands and you know, bowing your head and calling her the right name is because she, by nature of being a royal member, member of the royal family, deserved a certain amount of honour and respect and appropriate way of engaging with her. And the same is true of Jesus the King. He was coming into the world. And John the Baptist is um, remembered during Advent um, as preparing the way, as fulfilling that prophecy I read out at the beginning from Isaiah. Make straight the paths. He went into the wilderness and he called people. He said, come out here. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the River Jordan. Make your hearts ready for the King of Kings who is coming and will bring salvation for all human beings. And so as we prepare, as we spend time in Advent preparing our hearts, part of that is knowing how to respond to Jesus the King. John makes it very clear that the preparation needed, how we respond to Jesus, 
is repentance, forgiveness, and a clear heart. At the time that he's speaking in the wilderness, he doesn't know how much that offering is going to cost. What God has given him is simply the prophetic insight to know that this is the message to get out there ahead of Jesus' ministry. And even though we live in the aftermath of all that Jesus achieved on the cross, there is that same invitation again during Advent to prepare our hearts again by honest and genuine soul-searching, by real remorse for the things that we know have displeased God or hurt others, to recognize that we often are the cause of the distance between us and God. To prepare our hearts again before Christmas with appreciation and love and recognition of all that we've done wrong so that the forgiveness of Jesus can come in again. As we think about Advent in the run-up to Christmas of Jesus as a baby, we're also invited to think about preparing our hearts to meet Jesus in heaven. When we meet him face to face, when we encounter him in eternity, how will we respond to him? The King of Kings. Advent invites us to reflect a little on that. We don't just prepare our hearts for the baby Jesus. We prepare our hearts for the King of Heaven. If we think about how it will be when we meet him face to face, we might find our hearts preparing for that moment, for that encounter differently? Will we fall on the floor in knowledge of our sin? Will we stand in front of him in awe and wonder? Or will we run into his arms? don't think Jesus will require us to curtsy or call him your highness or mom but I do think the more time we can spend thinking during Advent about how it is that we want that meeting to be in heaven then the better prepared our hearts will be to meet him at Christmas So why is preparation important? Why is Advent an important season not to neglect? Because God changes us in our waiting. Because as we dwell with him, we get to a new place of surrender. And so that we have the right heart attitude and response to Jesus the King. 
We're just going to take a few moments of silent reflection. You might want to just close your eyes and think about that for yourself. Um, there are some questions that I've put on um, uh, the PowerPoint slide. Um, if that's helpful for you, um, in whatever way, just allow God in these next few minutes of silence to speak to you about what he wants to do in Advent to draw nearer, for you to draw nearer to him.